Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. And the, the, this whole uh, health care thing, this, this, uh, this uh, new repeal of Obamacare uh, that Lindsey Graham and, and, and company are pushing, is really starting to uh, pick up steam and get some attention. Jimmy Kimmel, uh, uh, you know, just explicitly um, uh, calling out, uh, among other things, well, I, you know, I guess most importantly, calling out Cassidy, Bill Cassidy, the, uh, the co-sponsor of the legislation, the Republican senator from Louisiana, uh, who Kimmel says just plain old flat out lied to him and to the American people in saying that, um, you know, Pre-existing conditions are not a big deal, or will 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 be. Excuse me. Pre-existing kids like his son, who was born with a heart defect, will still be able to get coverage. And and according to every independent analysis that I've seen, um, if red states, which is typically where it's going to happen, take these so-called waivers, then insurance companies can charge up to one hundred and forty thousand dollars a year in premiums. If your kid gets cancer or something like that, on the line with us is Dan Weber. He is the founder and CEO of the um, Association for Mature American Citizens. Um, while uh, AARP is nonpartisan, uh, uh, AMOC or AMAC is uh, you know, explicitly right wing. Their website is full of right wing news and stuff like that. It's AMAC.us is the website. You can tweet him at Mature Americans. Dan, welcome to the program. Hey, welcome, Tom. Thank you for having me. And by the way, we're not exclusively to the right. I I spent a half hour on your website this morning, Dan. Uh, well, you know, people can check it out. It's amac.us. They can make up their own mind. Um, Thank you. But in any case, my, my question to you is, why is it that, you know, I, I understand why the the right-wing billionaire sociopaths who who don't want to pay you know, that additional uh, 2.8% or 3.8%, whatever it is, uh, on cap- capital gains to pay for Obamacare, 
They don't want their taxes to pay for health insurance for working people, poor people, disabled people. I get that. You know, that whole libertarian philosophy. I got mine. Screw you. I got that. Um, I also understand that there are some politicians out there, and I'd put Bill Cassidy and, and, and Phil Graham in this category, who are taking enough money from, from this, this predatory banking industry called the health insurance companies. They don't provide health care. They don't provide vaccinations or do surgery or anything. All they do is move money around. They're bankers. And, and they, they're skimming 20, at least 20% off the top right now. By law, that's the limit. It used to be even more than that. To the point that Stephen Hemsley, the CEO of United Healthcare, has literally taken over $1 billion out of his company in personal compensation. And every penny of that was by saying to you know, some parent like Jimmy Kimmel, no, we're not going to pay for your child's heart operation. Um, so you know, I get it that there are the, the, the paid off and bought off shills. But I don't understand why anybody, particularly somebody like yourself, uh, you know, uh, asserting that you represent the interests of, of mature Americans, people over 50, um, would, would be enthusiastic about a program that's going to kill tens of thousands of Americans and, and, and wipe out people's lives. I don't get it. Yeah, killing tens of thousands of Americans, a lot of bull. And I'll tell you two reasons why I think the Graham-Cassidy bill is great. Right now, 27 million Americans have no health care. We think they should all have health care. This bill goes a long way in doing that. Second, health care costs, even with Obamacare, even with Republicans, even with the House version, did nothing to decrease the rising cost of health care. This bill will do it. I'm telling you, Tom, it's revolutionary. It's going to change the way people have insurance, just like online shopping changed the way we don't go to the brick and mortar stores. This is going to change health care. Half the Republicans don't even realize that, but they're going to vote for it. And I think that's really good. Dan, I think somebody's misinforming you. I mean, this does away with the with the mandate requiring people to have health insurance. It, 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 it's sort of the access thing. You know, I mean, I have access to a Maserati. I could walk down okay, to the store and look at it, but there's we, no way I can I can buy one. How can somebody. What about the what about the 27 million Americans who have no health insurance, even though they're required? To they have, have no health insurance because in red states, Republican good. Republican governors and legislatures said we're not going to take the expansion of Medicaid. It's because that one vote, uh, you know, on the Supreme Court, one right winger on the Supreme Court pushed over pushed it over the top and said, you know, states can say no. And those states that said no to, to Medicare expansion, those states are now going to get extra money, although it's not going to be anything close to, you know, what, what they would have had before. And states like California and New York are going to lose billions. I mean, this seems to me like just not only a vicious partisan attack, but it's not going to give everybody health care. You well, know that. And it's going to and, and, and who can afford health care if they if their kid has cancer and their premium is one hundred forty thousand dollars a year? Exactly. I agree with you 200 percent. That's the big problem. The premiums are too. But that's what this bill will do. This bill is going to change it. Do you know anyone? That no, the premiums are limited right now. This this bill unlimits you know, them. Do you know anyone who has an HSA and is unhappy with it? No. Forty million you know, Americans love HSAs. This bill and people. You're talking about health savings accounts. Understand it. You know, you haven't read health, it, health savings accounts are an absurdity. Now, HSA, health savings account. Why should anybody why should anybody have to save up money out of their paycheck, decrease their income? Basically, I realize, you know, there's 
There's there's millions of very wealthy Americans who do this because there's a tax advantage to it. But why should anybody have to save up money in case they get sick? What's wrong with joining the rest of the civilized world and saying, you know, we we all pay for the police so that if a few of us get mugged, we're all going to take care of those people who get mugged. We all pay for the fire department. So if a few of us have their houses catch on fire, we're all going to pay for that. What's wrong with if all if all of us pay for if any of us get sick? Healthcare system in the world and it's the cheapest healthcare system in the world. Singapore. Do research on Singapore. They have HSAs. They have a higher outcome on their medical care, and they cost 25% of what American health care costs are. I'm not making it up. You, your viewers, look and I have worked. I have worked in Singapore. I've spent a lot of time in Singapore. I've been investigated by the police in Singapore. Um, Singapore is a dictatorship. If you want to turn America into a dictatorship, And if you want to have the miles and miles and miles of grinding poverty slums where people have access to virtually nothing, um, then, you know, have at it. But that's not what I want for America. This is the United States of America. All right. But yet you can bring up up Great Britain. But when I bring up another country that has a health savings account. Now, it's true. When you get off the airline, the sign that's in the airline terminal says, what's the penalty if you get caught peddling drugs? Death. Right. But that's not what I'm so talking I, I about. Agree with you. What that's I'm talking about. Oh, it's not just far. that. I mean, Dan, I gave a I gave a speech in Singapore about education and somebody in the audience asked me, you know, what should I do to try and make my kids school better? And I said, get politically involved, you know, join your school board, uh, talk to your politicians. Exactly. And when I got back to my hotel room, the police had been in my hotel. They ripped the bed apart. They took all of my clothes and spread them all over the floor. They trashed everything I had. I asked the hotel, and this was this was like one of the top three hotels in Singapore, right? You know, a, a super fancy hotel that this group put me up in. And I said, why was this? And, and the guy said, you must have said something political, because in Singapore, you can't say things political. Well, that's why. I, you know, but 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 this is not about Singapore, Dan. We're not trying to be Singapore. Why is it? Back to my original question. I understand some people have a philosophical belief that the government. Oh, I, Dan, I'm sorry. We're out of money. We're out of time. It's uh, we'll have to continue this conversation another time. I, I'll do it. Dan Weber. He is the Association of Mature Citizens. A M. Uh, excuse me. M A. A M A C. Thank you. Uh, U.S. There you go. Dan Weber. Thanks a lot, Dan. Good talking with you. We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Back with more of the news of the day and your calls after this. And welcome back. Marvin in Los Angeles watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Marvin, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Long-time listener, watcher on TV, and first-time caller. I want to address the health care issue. We spend Mm -hmm. billions of dollars on the military. We could take a portion of that, maybe even all of the uh, current increase in the military budget, and provide Bernie's health care, Medicare for all, to everyone in the United States forever. My concern and question is, where is Schumer and Pelosi and bringing this out and pushing back on this train wreck that the Republicans are trying to put on the country so billionaires can get 
become bigger billionaires. Yeah, right. Well, one of the one of the things that I, I think most people um, don't uh, understand is not quite the right word, but but don't get about being in the leadership of a political party, which is the situation that Pelosi and Schumer are in, is that, you know, occasionally it's it's entirely appropriate to take an absolute hardcore leadership position, even if it's opposed by much of your own party. Lyndon Johnson did that with civil rights, for example, in 64 and 65. But that's very, very rare. Normally, the, the, the job, as they would describe it to you, uh, you know, Pelosi or Schumer, of being a leader is to, is to really facilitate what the majority of your members want. So it's really you're kind of a servant to your own caucus. And so as more and more Democrats start saying, yes, we want single payer, we have 160 of them now in the House. You have 16, 17 of them in the, in the Senate. As more and more start saying we want single payer, uh, they're going to hit a tipping point, And I think they're very close to it right now, where Pelosi and Schumer are going to start becoming advocates for this. But right now, they have to represent their entire uh, constituency, you know, all of the Democrats in the House and Senate. And so, you know, if Joe Manchin doesn't think it's a good idea or Heidi Heidkamp or some other conservative Democrat or you know, middle of the road Democrat or whatever you want to call them, um, you know, Republicrat, um, if, if they think that, you know, uh, Schumer and Pelosi have to honor their wishes, too. They can't they can't. Uh, it, it's it's not helpful for them in their position uh, as as leaders, you know, which is really more of a parliamentary thing. You know, it's the, you know, making things work, getting legislation through, making sure that proper procedures are followed, helping coordinate public relations and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not um, blaming Pelosi and Schumer for not being the leaders on this. I think that they they will they'll catch up and, and come along with it. And Nancy Pelosi has spoken out a number of times about how, uh, you know, in principle, she supports single payer health care. So is Chuck Schumer, for that matter. He, he gave that talk uh, two years ago at the National Press Club. So, you know, I think really what it has to end. The, and then the politicians you know, I say the, the leadership is waiting for their politicians to say we want this. The politicians are waiting, uh, Marvin, for you and me to say we want this. And this is why we need to be calling these people's offices and telling them, you know, not only do we not want Graham Cassidy, we do want uh, single payer health care. And, you know, let's get this thing. Let's get this show on the road. Does it make sense, Marvin? Yeah, we could pay for Medicare for all with the money we're wasting on military. But not so oh, much I agree. Not so much, I'm not so much blaming Pelosi and Schumer, but couldn't they have surrogates that would come in and start planting that seed amongst themselves? Yeah, well, that's happening. And, and the Congressional Progressive Caucus is really leading that cause, uh, leading that charge. Marvin, thanks a lot for the call. Great to hear from you. Thanks for watching Free Speech. Boy, there is, uh, there is so much in the news as it seems there is every day. Of course, there was this horrible earthquake in uh, Mexico City in area uh, yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? Very recently. And uh, the death, uh, yeah, it was two days ago. And the death rate is now, um, you know, they're starting to see how bad it is as they're, as they're un uncovering buildings. Puerto Rico has been uh, utterly devastated. Um, by the, by Hurricane, uh, this was Maria, I guess, this one. Um, Jose is still spinning out in the ocean. I mean, it's just, it's, 
We've never had three major, I mean, category three, four, five hurricanes hit the United States in one year. Um, this, this is Mother Nature saying, hey, quit messing, messing with me. You know, it's, it's just, I mean, that's, that's what's going on. So uh, there's, there's that. And that's, and that's something that is, is just, you know, it's breathtaking to me that there are so many Republicans who are still willing, in exchange for cash, in exchange for campaign donations and, and, and help, from you know the Koch network and and other right wing billionaires are still willing to claim that uh, you know yeah antibiotics might uh, cure bacterial infections but uh, carbon dioxide doesn't cause global warming uh, we like this science we don't like this science right this is this is not just stupid this is not just disingenuous this is uh, politically and morally criminal in my opinion. Uh, to to lie to people, it, it, it's like telling, you know, what the Republicans are doing with climate change right now is roughly the equivalent of a person going to their doctor and their doctor doing the tests and dis- discovering that that person has cancer, which can be treated. And and instead telling the person, oh, you're just fine. Uh, you, you might have you might have a, a mild head cold here. Just take some aspirin. These things come and go, you know, yeah, I know you've got some symptoms, you know, you're throwing up blood, you know, you've got that pain in your stomach, whatever it may be. Um, but I, I don't think it's really, you know, uh, the stomach cancer, colon cancer, whatever kind of cancer it is. It's, it, 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 don't worry about it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine anybody with any kind of responsibility saying something like that? Well, not only are these fools promoting this stuff, and, well, they're not fools. They're, they're sociopathic criminals. Not only are they promoting this explicitly, you see, you know, James Inhofe and, and these other bozos in the Republican Party. I, I need to come up with better names for these people. This is, it just sounds like I'm sitting here doing cheap name calling. And, and I, yeah, this is really serious stuff. Not only are they denying climate science. But now you've got Scott Pruitt in the Trump administration running the EPA and Ryan Zinke in the Trump administration running the Interior Department. And and now you've got a right wing talk show host running running the, you know, NOAA, the the the, the or NASA, excuse me, uh, which runs the, the weather satellites. Not only do you have all of that, but these people are explicitly lying to us and they're stripping any reference to climate change out of federal government websites, the actual research. It's not even opinion pieces. It's actual research. They're taking it away from us. The rest of the world is looking at us going, what the heck? You know, why would you people do this? Is, it's, is, it, is this some sort of religious obsession? You know, is it, is it, is it like the Flat Earth Society? Is it, no, it's money. The fossil fuel industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, and it is at the same point right now as the buggy whip industry was in 1890. The difference is that as we started making cars in the late 1900s and the early 20th, and the early 20th century, uh, or the late 19th century, the early 20th century, as we started making cars, the buggy whip industry was not big enough or wealthy enough to own Congress or to own newspapers. 
And certainly there weren't even there wasn't even a television network for them to own the way Rupert Murdoch does. You know, after he right wingized Australia, then he goes to the UK and right wingizes you know the UK media, and then he comes here and he and he does it to our media. I mean, this man has done amazing things, and you know, from the right wing's point of view, he's a great hero. From my point of view, um, he's a great villain in, in this in this morality play about what is the future of this country and, frankly, the world. But now comes this study from Scripps Institution of Oceanography that we have, if if we keep going down the road we're going, that you know, seventy three years from now. Uh, by or is it 83 years? From now? I guess it'd be 83 years from now, and in, in, in 2100, which I'll never see, but my grandchildren may, hopefully, maybe even maybe even my children, that they actually won't see it because the entire human race could be gone. I mean, this is this we're talking extinction, and these people are playing these games, and and just to to put a punctuation mark on how complete the capture is. Check out this headline from The Guardian. The the headline sort of says the whole thing. Trump's pick for chemical safety chief called, quote, voice of the chemical industry. Michael Dorson, president's nominee for EPA position, founded a consultancy in which he was paid to criticize studies questioning the safety of clients' products. This is a guy who used to make his living challenging the federal government's safety guidelines. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. I mean, it doesn't get worse. It doesn't get more bizarre than this. This is, And this is the stuff that nobody's reporting on. It's flying completely under the radar. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent at my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. This is modern technology, and it's great. And because I don't need to keep getting up to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for you, my listeners. The makers of X-Chair want you to feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com now, that's the letter xchairtom, T-H-O-M, dot com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. So just go to xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com, xchairtom.com right now. I love my X-Chair and you will too, so check out xchairtom.com. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. The, uh, when I was talking with Dan Weber uh, with his um, right-wing alternative to AARP, I guess, is how they, they try to characterize themselves. I mean, AARP is not left-wing, so why you'd need a right-wing? It's just a right-wing version, I guess, you know, a way of whatever. I don't, I don't want to I'll let you figure out what it is or make up your own mind about it. But um, the talking points that they sent us, before we went on the air, I thought this was really interesting. The Graham-Cassidy bill is the Republican Party's last chance at repealing and replacing Obamacare. This is actually true. Um, under the reconciliation rules which uh, in the Senate, which allows you to pass a piece of legislation with only 50 votes or 51 votes with the vice president breaking a tie, um, under, under those rules, 
you can only submit a you can only submit legislation either once or twice. I forget which it is. I'm pretty sure it's once or a variation. But in any case, the the the, the they're they're facing because of some arcane piece of the rules that frankly I don't understand or I don't I'm not a senator and I don't you know it's a, in any case because of these rules in the Senate at the end of this month which is you know a week and a half they can no longer try to repeal Obamacare until after January of 2019 they need a whole brand new Congress to do it so we've got you know the the rest of this the rest of this year, 2017, and all of 2018, the Republicans will not be able to offer legislation to repeal Obamacare. And this, uh, the, the difference between this and the last repeal is that this one actually does throw some money into the pot, but the way it does it is it takes it away from California and New York and all the blue states. I mean, literally, it is taking away millions of dollars from these states. And in fact, I can give you specific numbers. Uh, California is going to lose $78 billion, which means people in California who right now have health care because of Medicaid expansion are going to lose their health care. New York State is going to lose $45 billion. Um, where's that money going to go? Texas is going to get $35 billion. Georgia is going to get $10 billion. And this is from a study by a company called Avalare Health LLC which is not a partisan organization. They're not political. This is just a company that analyzes health policy. You know, they do it on behalf of big companies. You know, you, you own a big manufacturing company and you want to know, hey, should we self-insure? You know, should we go with this insurance company, that insurance company? You want to hire a consulting company that, that basically figures it all out for you. That's this company. And they're just saying, hey, here's what's going on. And not, not only that, the states who have taken these waivers, as has happened now in all, virtually all the red states, I think there are three, maybe four red states that expanded Medicaid, all the rest of them took the waiver so that they didn't have to expand Medicaid. Under the Graham-Cassidy bill, they can take a waiver so that uh, the insurance companies, you know, waiver from the Obamacare rules, so that the insurance companies can literally raise your premiums, the amount of money that you have to send them every month, just to be insured to over $140,000 a year if you're sick. Now, you know, Bill Cassidy will go on television and lie through his teeth by weasel implication saying, well, people will still have access to health care. Nobody's going to lose access to health care if you have $140,000, right? I mean, this is, this is beyond the pale. And they're planning on voting on this thing probably Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. And so we need to be calling our members of Congress and we need to be calling them now and saying, hey, you know, this this is this is not good. This is this is evil. What's going on here? We're talking. And, and you know, and as I said, when I first started out with Dan, I said people will die. Harvard University documented didn't suggest, documented, that prior to Obamacare, about 40,000 Americans died every year because they could not afford to get early diagnostic care or they could not afford the treatment for their diseases. 40,000 Americans a year, unnecessarily dying 
just to support a for-profit, banker-driven, so-called health insurance industry. We're now down to around 18,000 Americans dying every year as a result of that. Obamacare has literally saved the lives of tens of thousands of Americans a year. And they want to blow out all those protections. People will die. This is literally life and death. So we need to light up their lines. And, and one, of the, one of the notes that was made, there's a, Laura Clausen is one of the best writers over at uh, Daily Kos. And uh, she's got a piece in uh, Daily Kos right now. Sorry, Senator Cassidy. Experts say it's you, not Jimmy Kimmel, who's wrong about your health care bill. Jimmy Kimmel is leading, you know, kind of a one-man crusade on this. And God bless him. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I've, frankly, I've never watched his show because I get up early in the morning. So I can't, I just, I'm not up that late to watch late night TV. But I watch, you know, little clips on YouTube from time to time of, of his uh, monologues and his punchlines and things. And the guy's very talented. I, I, really, I like Jimmy Kimmel. But he's also now gotten very political. And this should not be political. It shouldn't be a Republican or Democratic issue, whether Americans live or die. When the hell did that become a political issue? Seriously. How, how could a political party say, it's fine with us if people are dying? I mean, this isn't a debate. I, I could understand a debate between Republicans and Democrats about What's the best way to ensure everybody in the United States at the lowest cost, right? Because there are different kinds of plans out there. You've got, uh, for example, uh, Switzerland, which has no government health care program, but the government requires everyone to buy health insurance, but it also requires that the health insurance companies be not-for-profit companies, that their CEOs aren't taking obscene amounts of compensation, that they have no stockholders to pay dividends to, and all the hospitals have to be not-for-profit organizations, and at least the ones that are participating with these programs. And, and so, you know, Switzerland has one of the probably five most expensive healthcare systems in the world, but it's still half of what ours is. But that's one where there's no government involvement. That might be something that the Republican Party could pitch, right? You know, yeah, let's just, you know, the government doesn't need to be involved in this other than creating the, you know, the legal infrastructure that makes it all possible and legal. Or you could have Democrats, on the other hand, say, you know, hey, let's either emulate the United Kingdom, which has a, a health care system that's very much like the Veterans Administration, where the government owns the hospitals and, or, you know, uh, and, and, and administers them and, and local clinics and all the physicians are just employees of the government. Um, or we're going to do it like Canada does, which is, you know, a, a traditional single payer system like, you know, most other countries have, where you pay a small the fee every month, you know, a hundred bucks a month or something for your insurance. And, and then the rest of it is paid for with taxes and a whole, you know, and then they spread it over a variety of different kinds of taxes. Part of it is income tax, part of it is high income tax, part of it is corporate tax, you know, whatever you put it all together and, and gee, you've got a healthcare system and it costs half of ours and they produce better outcomes. So, you know, that would be a reasonable discussion. If Democrats and Republicans wanted to say, here's two positive visions of how to help America. But instead, the Republican Party is committed to death. It's become a death cult. And I, it just boggles my mind that these guys would do this and they would do it not out of some noble philosophy, but out of a desire to, to, to avoid offending some eccentric billionaires who are going to fund 
primary challengers against them if they don't do exactly what these billionaires want. And these billionaires don't want to be paying their extra 3% tax on, on their capital gains, which is already, you know, they're paying a lower income tax rate than the rest of us do. Uh, they don't want to pay that extra 3% to, to go help, you know, the, the, the health care costs of the rest of America. This is just so wrong. It's so bizarre. So anyway, let's pick up some of your phone calls here, your thoughts on all of this. Jeff in San Francisco. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind? Uh, first, I'd like to give a shout out to people who call their congressperson about H.R. Uh, 3530 about industrial hemp. And then I'm, I want to talk mm-hmm. about um, universal basic income. And OK, uh, if I could real quickly, the, the phone number for Congress is 202-224-3121, whether you want to call about industrial hemp or health care, whatever it may be, 202-224-3121. So back to you, Jeff. We have 60 seconds before we're going to hit a break here. I just want to talk, Merritt, when they Merritt wrote an article about a, uh, universal basic income coupled with a guaranteed mm-hmm. federal jobs program, and we give each person, mm-hmm. every person, uh, adult 10000 every ch- child um, 5000 a year. And then they get uh, federal mm-hmm. jobs and is also discussed in Ellen Brown's book, how we could get this money by just eliminating yes. how much money uh, interest goes to the banks. About 3.77 trillion people get charged on interest. And we could put this into, you know, a UBI or in a guaranteed jobs. Right. If, if, if instead of having for profit corporate banks, we had individual state banks. And the state banks then use that interest or the profits, essentially, to support these kind of things, as North Dakota has done since 19, what, 18, 1919, something like that. Yeah, I'm with you, Jeff. And Ellen Brown's stuff is great. Um, so thanks a lot for the call. It's great to hear from you. We'll be back. In- back. Let's see here. Judy in Wyandotte, Michigan. Hey, Judy, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Um, I'm just calling to piggyback on what you were saying earlier about calling the senators. And I just, I just this morning reached all five of the possible no's um, and I got through to their office. No problem. And that is a bad thing. Um, I, I, yes mind-boggling to me why people are not calling. And I know Indivisible um, recommends that you only call the senator in the state you live. I live in Michigan. Obviously, our senators are voting no. When you call, for example, John McCain's office or Susan Collins' office, they don't ask where you're calling from. So I have been calling them every day, and I tell them I am literally begging them to vote no on it from a moral they have a moral obligation. And I add further that, yes, fixing Obamacare is no easy task. I, I support single-payer health care. They never will. But the, the tough job is to fix Obamacare. The easy part is to just cut people off who will literally be dying because of this. I don't understand how people are just going about their days and not calling on this. I, I don't. I'm begging yeah. people. You're it's because the news media is doing such a crappy job, Judy. The, 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 the problem, and I've seen this now in three different interview shows, I've seen it on both MSNBC and CNN, 
And, and I mean, forget about Fox. Fox, they, they just lie through their teeth all day long. But, uh, you know, on, on these so-called, you know, real news networks, they get people like Bill Cassidy on or Lindsey Graham on. And these guys lie through their teeth. Oh, yeah, everybody's going to have access to health care. That's not going to go away. And pre-existing conditions will be covered. And they don't add the if you have one hundred and forty thousand dollars a year to pay for your insurance premium. Um, so and, and the media never calls them out on it. And the reason why I is agree. because they don't want to be the network that Bill Cassidy or, or Lindsey Graham says, I'm never going to come on your network again or I'm never going to come on your show again. And in fact, there's a huge liability for the individual talent. If one of those reporters on one of those networks really tries to pin these Republicans down and points out to them that they are lying through their teeth, that person in all probability will lose their job. Maybe not that day, right. but their, their ability to maintain their employment, their contract won't get renewed. I mean, it's just, this is how that industry, I'm a part of this industry. I know this stuff, right? This is how this industry right. works. The, the, the business model for television these days is guest driven. And so the guests get to call the tune rather than the news. It used to be news driven. It used to be information driven. Now, because it's all drama and soap opera, it's guest driven and they're afraid to offend their guests. And I think that that's why people are not outraged because people don't know. There's not good reporting on the truth of this. And then you get, I mean, Dan, Dan Weber was on here a minute ago. You know, I was willing to push back on him because I don't need guests, right? I, I can just do a right. show where I rant. But but this, you know, right. but he, he just comes right out and says, oh, everybody's going to be fine. We're going to expand. You know, I worry. Come on, you know, either either you're uninformed or so. So, I, you know, I think that that's. That's part of it. They did a slightly better job this morning on Morning Joe. They had Senator Johnson, I believe was his name on. And um, they did a little bit of pushback, but. But their their answers, the, I mean, the politicians have five basic answers, and one of them is, well, I believe it will. He said, can you definitively say that nobody, that, that people with pre-existing conditions were covered? I believe it will. That is the point, you're exactly right, where they need to step in and say, you believe you will, but will it? That is not an answer. Right. That is not an right. answer. But regardless, I, I, I get to tears, I cry, I beg on the phone when I talk to their staff or when I leave them messages and I am begging you have a, you have a wonderful group of active listeners and I am begging them to call Heller's office and Murkowski's office and Susan Collins office and Shelly Capito and John McCain of all people. Yes. It is unconscionable that he is going through cancer treatment and that he would do this to other people who are doing the same. It is, it is, Right. It's unbelievable to me. And yeah, I'm he has cancer. I mean, uh, under this under this bill, under this bill, they could raise his insurance premium to over one hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, it's just nuts. Exactly. The phone number to call Congress is 202-224-3121. 202-224-3121. Thank you so much. So, Judy, for what you do every day. Oh, it's it's absolutely my pleasure, Judy. Thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, Russell in Hickory Hills, Illinois. Hey, Russell, quick one. Russell? No, no, Russell. Okay, let's go to Al in Austin, Texas. Hey, Al, we got about a minute to the end of the hour. What's up? I can give you a date when it became political, when Reagan sent everyone in the Republican Party a record saying, say no to Medicare. You're right. I remember and my dad had that record. 
I was a kid. I remember it. Also, if you want to add insult to injury, capital gains is not subject to the Medicare withholding. So when a person pays their capital gain tax, you only pay 15%. I know I'm a beneficiary every now and then when I cash out some of my Mm. holdings. I only pay 15%. I don't pay into FICA. Okay. I don't pay into Medicare either. And another thing about Medicare recipients, the ones that are lining up that are against socialized medicine, a lot of them really, when they go into health and human services, should ask, okay, this is what I get. What don't I get? You do not get nursing home. You do not get skilled nurses. There's a heck of a lot of things that a lot of people... You don't get dental, you don't get vision, and Bernie wants to put all those things in. Excellent points, Al. Excellent points. Thanks a lot for the call. And thanks for listening to us on SiriusXM. Hey, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. And their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate candidate through that site within one day. No juggling emails, no calls to your office. You simply screen, rate, and manage the candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, you, my listeners, can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hartman. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Hartman. One more time, to try it out for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hartman. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Just a a quick addenda to the previous hour where we've been talking largely about the whole uh, Graham-Cassidy health care Take away your health care bill, uh, this new Republican one. In, uh, we, we were entirely talking about the Senate, but over in the House of Representatives, and there's a new, uh, new post up about this over at Daily Kos right now by uh, Carrie Ewald, um, that points out that there are 16 vulnerable House Republicans uh, who, <coughs> excuse me, who voted yes on the last Republican repeal, but this time because this, this bill will hurt their state so badly. Uh, they are they are very vulnerable, and they also should be called. So call the House. It's the same phone number, uh, and that's Knight of California, Isa of California, Denim of California, Royce of California, Walters of California, Rohrbacher of California, Fazo of New York, Tenney of New York, McSally of Arizona, Frulingheisen in New Jersey, Roxham in Illinois, Bost in Illinois, Lewis in Minnesota, Paulson in Minnesota, Curbelo in Florida, and Poliquin in Maine. Just just FYI. On the line with us now is our old friend Greg Pallast, one of the finest investigative reporters working in the world, and uh, certainly uh, one of my absolute heroes in this area. This is uh, Greg has been living the life that I always dreamed of, uh, investigating things, and just it's brilliant, brilliant work. His latest Sometimes work, the nightmare. best democracy money can buy. <laughs> I, I, I know, you know, I've, I've heard your war stories, Greg. GregPallast.com, of course, is the website. You can tweet him at Greg Pallast. Um, uh, Greg underscore Pallast, excuse me, just like I'm Tom underscore Hartman. And uh, Greg, welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you again, Tom. 
It is always an honor and a pleasure to have you, my friend. So uh, you have a new article up over at your website, gregpalace.com, that people can check out. And it's titled, Finally Busted. Okay, who's busted? How are they busted? Okay, finally. And I have to thank the Tom Hartman Show, too. Uh, We've been talking over the past year about a program by Trump's vote thief-in-chief, Chris Kobach, who's head of that Voter Integrity Commission, called CrossCheck. It's a system, you know, when Trump said uh, three million illegal voters, millions of people have been voting many, many times. He was specifically referring to Chris Kobach and a system called CrossCheck, where Kobach has claimed to have found three million people who are registered or actually voting twice in the same election in two states. It's a mass wave, millions of Americans voting twice. He created a system, and here's the evil part, which the most of the press has uh, somewhat ignored, which is um, they actually have a list of three million people who they claim have voted twice. It's a hit list. Um, at the moment, I'm still the only journalist. I'm the only person who actually has the, the list. I got it using methods which we will not discuss on the air, but they're all legal. Um, and we got the list. And lo and behold, who are these three million double voters? Well, they're, uh, they have names like Jose Hernandez and um, John Black and Jesse Jackson. Uh, and you'll get the picture. Uh, in other words, these are mo- mainly voters of color. This is a spreadsheet of uh, voters of color. So they're using spreadsheets instead of white sheets to remove these voters from the voter roll. I'm guessing and there's, there's been- a lot of Kims and Wongs and, yes. and Asian names in there as well. Yes, people of bluish hue. That is, they vote blue Democratic. Uh, Asians vote about, uh, in the last election, mm-hmm. when about 75% Democratic, and, uh, which is uh, very similar to... Um, getting up there with the black vote. So they've got to get rid of these voters because obviously there's not enough white guys to elect a Donald Trump or Republican Congress. And so now, finally, uh, after uh, uh, the year of screaming about, actually I've been on this case for nearly five years on uh, hunting Kobach and his tricks, but this one trick of cross-check, uh, we now have a suit filed by the uh, Brennan Center for Justice, the prestigious Brennan Center, on behalf of the uh, League of Women Voters and the NAACP, the first uh, cross-check suit, uh, which cites actually throughout the suit, it basically relies on my film and my Rolling Stone investigations. And, and they quote us directly uh, from the film, um, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. Unusual for a legal brief, but it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's hardcore, mm-hmm. real info. And we've got the goods, we've got the papers. So they started with Indiana, which has the most egregious system in the country. If you're on Kobach's list and a couple hundred thousand people in Indiana are on that list, um, you get removed if you just if Kobach says these people are registered in two states or voting in two states. That's it. Now, by the way, if you register, if you vote in two states or deliberately register in two states for the same election, you go to prison in five years. They're not they haven't busted one single person in Indiana, but they're removing tens of thousands and they're about to remove hundreds of thousands. So the League of Women Voters, NAACP, have sued, citing our our statistics, especially the racial statistics and the fact that the lists are junk. See, no one had seen these secretive lists. They said, oh, we have the list of the names, just like Joe McCarthy. We have a list here of communists in the State Department. Well, they have a list of double voters, millions. Um, and But it doesn't end with Indiana. Uh, we also have in Illinois, uh, uh, bless the ACLU, 
for joining up with the group Indivisible. They now that they had knocked, well, they thought they had knocked off the healthcare uh, threat, uh, so they were moving next to uh, vote suppression. Indivisible of Illinois and the ACLU have begun a whole legislative and political push to remove crosscheck in that state, which is kicked off, by the way, by the Reverend Jesse Jackson, who is moving national now. Jackson has flown to Virginia, where he is railing against that state's participation in the crosscheck program. There are nearly ready, nearly half a million Virginians who have been accused of voting twice, and they have been removing tens of thousands a year. People show up at the polling stations, and they don't know what the heck has happened to their name. This explains, by the way, what happened in Michigan. I flew to Michigan, where, uh, again, uh, groups are, are fighting, uh, I've picked up the, the theme and fighting cross-check, but this is new, all these lawsuits, the, uh, the legislative, new legislation being pushed in, in Virginia, the, the, the new attack. But in Michigan, they removed 50,000 people. Donald Trump only won by 10,700 votes in Michigan. You remove 50,000 voters of color, and you tell me if that, it, who should be president. Well, certainly uh, those electoral votes in Michigan we saw a massive attack Greg, in Ohio, too. Greg, it, yeah, the, it, this, this is, you know, I mean, you're the guy who broke the story for the British Broadcasting Corporation in 2000 uh, that this is exactly what Jeb Bush and Catherine Harris did down in Florida, that they knocked 50, 60, 70,000, you know the number, I, correct me, please, um, af largely African-Americans from the voting rolls just weeks before the election so that George Bush could get close enough that the Supreme Court could steal the election for him. Um, it's not like the Democratic Party hasn't known about this. this is, we're 17 years later. Um, well, that, how, that's the, yeah. why is it take? Why is it taking this long? Well, two things. Number one, back in Florida, it was a slightly different thing. But they, they don't. There's nothing new under the sun. In Florida, they accused uh, people of ve being felons. Uh, you know, in, right. in my film, you meet a guy Willie Steen using the Texas list. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's his name is Willie Steen, and a guy in Ohio was convicted of a felony named Willie Steen. By the way, the, the convict is white. The uh, victim voter who lost his vote, whose name isn't even that close, is black. We know that the voters are black in the case of Florida because they actually put BLA next to their names. We are trying to get these states that still keep the racial profiles uh, under the old Voting Rights Act to divulge this in, in Virginia. And we're getting totally stonewalled in Virginia. So we have a terrific class action attorney, Jeannie Meyer, uh, who's now, uh, who just, in fact, today, I guess we'll break this news. We're about to file uh, uh, for the information from Virginia, and it will be followed by a lawsuit in their face. So, you know, so it, how, is, why, is where's great. the Democratic Party? Well, hmm, I can tell you the Congressional Black Caucus uh, and, a, and some senator named Sanders from, I can't remember what state, but the, one of the U.S. senators <laughs> has said he's taking this on in Congress. Yeah. I spoke to him two weeks ago with the Reverend Jackson. So They're seriously upset. Greg, we're out of time, but hang on just a second, Greg. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It is the great Greg Palast. His website, gregpalast.com. You can read all about it. Check out his movie, The Best Democracy Money Can Buy. You can tweet him at Greg underscore Palast. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. I am reading the... Um, uh, <laughs> this is amazing. It's You know, if you look... I'm reading the, uh, the Democratic Party platform of 1948. This is the platform on which Harry Truman ran for re-election and won. 
And uh, you'll recall the year before, 1947, um, uh, in the election of 46, Congress, for the first time since 1929, 1930, Congress had been taken over by Democrats, uh, excuse me, Republicans. And um, from, from 19, basically 1929, from the Great Crash until the middle of the Clinton administration, Republicans never, want, with, with one single two-year exception, had no, no control over the House of Representatives. That two years was 46, 46, it was the election of 46, it was 47, 48. And they passed Taft-Hartley, which blew up labor rights, right? It created the so-called right-to-work for less policy that states could adopt, which is being now adopted across the nation. And Republicans are even pushing, should be happening uh, all across, you know, at, 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 even at the federal level. <clears throat> but I just wanted to share some bits of this with you. This was ratified on July 12, 1948. It's the Democratic Party platform, just by way of showing how, you know, our, our grandparents' generation, um, in my case, my parents' generation, probably in your case, your grandparents' generation, they understood this stuff. It was this, you know, how much things have changed and how much they've, you know, basically been the same. Um, so I just want to share some parts of the, the Democratic Party platform on which the Democratic Party won as we're, you know, having these discussions about a better way, right? Better program, a better beginning, whatever, you know, I think a better way is the new Democratic slogan here. So it says uh, better deal. That's right. A better deal. Thank you, Troy. So when dedicated, they say, first of all, we are, the Democratic Party is dedicated to the service of all and not to a privileged few. Ours is the party which was entrusted with responsibility when 12 years of Republican neglect had blighted the hopes of mankind, had squandered the fruits of prosperity, and had plunged us into the depths of depression and despair. And he's talking, of course, about the Harding, Coolidge, and Hoover administrations that led right to the Great Depression. Ours is the party which rebuilt a shattered economy, which rescued our banking system, revived our agriculture, reinvigorated our industry, gave labor, strength, and security, and led the American people to the broadest prosperity in the history of the United States. All true, by the way. Ours is the party which introduced the spirit of humanity into our law. As we outlawed child labor in the sweatshop, as we insured bank deposits, as we protected millions of homeowners and farmers from foreclosure, and as we established a national social security program. Ours is the party which during the war prepared for peace so well that when peace came, reconversion promptly led to the greatest production and employment in this nation's life, which is, the, of course, the exact opposite of what George W. Bush did when he illegally invaded both Afghanistan and Iraq. Ours is the party under whose leadership independent business and professional income increased from less than $3 billion in 93 to $22 billion in 1947. Employees' earnings increased from $29 billion in 1933 to more than $128 billion in 1947. I, you know, you, I'm not putting the numbers up on the screen kind of thing here, but, but you know, basically what he's saying is that employees are making a whole lot more money more rapidly than even employers, although both are doing well. And employment grew from 39 million jobs in 1933 to a record 60 million jobs in 1947, where some of that was people coming back from the war, but still. 
Ours is the party under which the framework of the World Organization for Peace and Justice was formulated and created. Now, keep in mind, this was just a few years before the United States was, or the United Nations, excuse me, was finally formally ratified. I think that was 51, 52, something like that. We reject the principle, which we have always rejected, but which the Republican 80th Congress enthusiastically accepted, that government exists for the benefit of the privileged few. It's 1948, the Democrats are saying this, right? They go on. The Republican 80th Congress is directly responsible for the existing and ever-increasing high cost of living. It cannot dodge that responsibility. Unless the Republican candidates are defeated in the approaching elections, their mistaken policies will impose greater hardships and suffering on larger numbers of the American people. Adequate fooding, food, clothing, and shelter, the bare necessities of life, are becoming too expensive for the average wage earner, and the prospects are more frightening every day. The Republican 80th Congress has lacked the courage to face this vital program. And by the way, the American people understood this because they threw out the Republican 80th Congress. The 81st Congress was controlled by the Democrats, as was every Congress in the House of Representatives, all the way up until 1986, I believe it was, in the, in the or 96, rather, in the midst of the, the Clinton administration. We favor the reduction of taxes whenever it's possible to do so without unbalancing the nation's economy by giving a measure of relief to those millions of low-income families on whom the wartime burden of taxation fell most heavily. The form of tax reduction adopted by the Republican 80th Congress only gave relief to those who needed it least and ignored those who needed it most. Is it deja vu all over again, right? The Republicans want tax cuts for the rich. The Democrats want tax cuts for working people. We advocate the repeal of the Taft-Hartley Act. You know, the Democratic Party really needs to pick this up and run with it again. It was enacted by Republican 80th Congress over the president's veto. The act was was proposed with the promise that it would secure, quote, the legitimate rights of both employees and employers in the relations affecting commerce. It has failed. We favor the extension of the adoption of a minimum wage of at least 75 cents an hour in place of the present obsolete and inadequate minimum wage of 40 cents an hour. We favor legislation assuring that the workers of our nation receive equal pay for equal work regardless of sex. We favor the extension of the Social Security program established under Democratic leadership to provide additional protection against the hazards of old age, disability, disease, or death. We believe that this program should include increases in old age and survivors insurance benefits by at least 50% and reduction of the eligibility age for women from 65 to 60 years. Extension of old age and survivors unemployment insurance to all workers who are not covered now. Insurance against loss of earnings on account of illness or disability, and improved public assistance for the needy. We favor the enactment of a national health program. We favor far expanded medical research, medical education, and hospitals and clinics. This is the 1948 Democratic platform. People say, oh, Democrats, you know, the, 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 the Sanders wing or whatever, they're too friggin' liberal, you know. Now, This is the 1948 Democrats. We're going back to our roots. We advocate federal aid for education administered by and under the control of the states. We vigorously support the authorization, which was so shockingly ignored by the Republican 80th Congress for the appropriation of $300 million as a beginning 
of federal aid to states to assist them in meeting the present educational needs. We insist upon the right of every American child to obtain a good education. And obviously, they're not even talking about privatizing education. We pledge the continued full and unified regional development of water, mineral, and natural resources of the nation. Our natural resources are the heritage of all our people, and we must not permit them to become the private preserves of monopoly. You getting this? We pledge an intensive enforcement of the antitrust laws. We advocate the strengthening of existing antitrust laws by closing the gaps which experience has shown have been used to promote the concentration of economic power. We support the right of all persons to form worker cooperatives. The Democratic Party is responsible for great civil rights gains. And they go on. It goes on from there. I just... I just want to finish up the Democratic Party platform. Um, the Democratic Party is responsible for the great civil rights gains made in recent years. Now, keep in mind, this is 1948. This was before Lyndon Johnson and the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. But uh, they had integrated the military and they were, they were moving in the right direction, just nowhere near fast enough for most of us. But still, I mean, it was 1948. Um, They said the Democratic Party is responsible for the great civil rights gains made in recent years in eliminating unfair and illegal discrimination based on race, creed, or color. The Democratic Party commits itself to continuing its efforts to eradicate all racial, religious, and economic discrimination. We again state our belief that racial and religious minorities must have the right to live, the right to work, the right to vote, and the full and equal protection of the laws on a basis of equalities with all citizens as guaranteed by the Constitution. We highly commend President Harry Truman for his courageous stand on the issue of civil rights. We recommend to Congress the submission of a constitutional amendment on equal rights for women. We favor the extension of the, su- of the right of suffrage to the people of the District of Columbia, in other words, statehood for D.C. So that's what the Democrats were about. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? In 1948. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have the latest news and information from Wall Street and Main Street, all points in between, plus best of the rest of the news. And don't forget, democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.